0: and i and i believe that's where my gifts and skills lie but i truly truly believe no matter where your gifts and skills lie all humans innately want to help other people i mean it's just it's just in our dna jamie i've seen it over and over again whether you're a millionaire or you're you're near the poverty line whether you've you're highly educated or you're undereducated whether you're old or young it doesn't matter people love helping people so i think you would be surprised um if something were to happen to you and it was a seriously unfortunate situation uh, that's unpredictable, you can ask people for support one way or another and people will be willing to do it.
1: I'm Jamie Mo Crazy and you're listening to Life Deaths Mo Crazy. Where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through it. Listen and learn strategy, you can implement in your life. So when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. Bob DePisquale has always believed in taking care of the things that he has been blessed with. It is his mission to help others in doing the same thing. Bob's perspective on that derives from a battle with cancer at the age of 18, which luckily he overcame and survived. I know right now, actually, my older sister is battling cancer and she has gotten rid of the cancer, which is Phenomenal, but she's still in a lot of treatments, and things are very scary at that time. So that's a avalanche that you encounter in your life. And so Bob spent the first 12 years in financial industry helping people make wise decisions about finances. And during that time, Bob realized that most people were stressed about finances, regardless of how much money they made or how little money they made. They were distressed about the concept of finances. So today, Bob is going to talk to you about ways that you can deal with the financial changes that occur when an unexpected trauma slides you down the mountain of life. So Bob, I'm so excited to start talking about finance when your life turns upside down.
0: <laughs> Jamie, thanks for having me. I love your concept of your podcast, love your energy. And to be honest with you, finance isn't always the most exciting topic, but hopefully we'll make it pretty fun today.
1: Yeah, I know. And I, I'm I'm so excited about this because this podcast, Life Gets Mo Crazy, the audience is all people who've encountered unexpected traumas, Um, both physical, also mental job Mm -hmm. changes in their life. And how do they respond? How do they climb an alternative peak? And something that's not discussed very often is the finances involved. And, you Mm -hmm. know, finances is such a huge part of it. So I'm excited to start talking about that.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped. I've, I've been through some trauma in my life and we can probably get into that. But, you know, The financial part of it is not something that you want to have to take a whole lot of energy when you're going through, especially something physically draining, but you really got to make sure that that stuff is handled. And there are steps you can take and things you can do uh, that will not prevent the unexpected trauma, or at least not always prevent it, but it will at least make it a little bit easier to make financial decisions or even eliminate some decisions that you might have to make uh, so that you can concentrate on getting healthy.
1: So what are some of the steps that you would take? Do you take these steps like before? Like if you're a regular um, individual who hasn't encountered anything, should you take the steps then or as soon as something happened?
0: It's it's beforehand. It's a preparation aspect. I, I talk about, so I, I wrote a book about technology and personal finance, but but it has some lessons about some of these specific topics and, and tragedy and uh, be, protecting yourself against perils is, is is one of them. And so, yes, you want to be as prepared as possible. And there's a concept that I talk about uh, called Decision Fatigue, which I originally learned about from a book uh, called Atomic Habits by the by, uh, by an author. whose name is James Clear. And there's other research on decision fatigue, but he specifically talks about it. And that's kind of where it spoke to me. And ultimately, I, I alluded to a, a moment ago, you want to be as prepared as possible in case those things happen so that things, you don't have to make major, major decisions or you don't have to make minor decisions and spend less time draining your your energy your mental and your physical energy on those things Uh, so yes you want to do things in advance so when that crazy thing happens you got enough mental capacity your brain is not fatigued decision fatigue has not set in so that you can concentrate on what you need to do and so a couple of those steps you can take uh, i think a lot of people are already taking them if you're if you if your employer provides you health insurance coverage that's one thing right there that you're maybe by default you've already made some decisions on how you're going to get care in case something like that happens. Now, I would advise you to sit down uh, with your HR person or whoever can provide you the documents to help you make the right decision on what type of coverage you would want in case those things happen. We don't have the time to get into all the details of the different types of coverage and copays and all those things, but you want to understand that as much as possible. And another thing that's important that I don't think people realize is that not every medical expense, can necessarily be covered by insurance, whether it's a, a, a mental illness, physical illness, or an accident. I just, by the way, I'm, I'm healing from a broken collarbone. It's a good thing I had some uh, health coverage because if I didn't, uh, that'd have been quite a bill I would have been paying to see the doctor over the past few months for my collarbone. But uh, another thing that people don't think about is that you wanna have your budget in order. So in case some kind of unexpected expense comes up, Maybe it's not a medical expense. Maybe it's some kind of other expense. And we usually recommend that people have three to six months of their expenses in a liquid account. And when I say liquid, I mean money that you can get to directly. Uh, a bank account, uh, savings account, checking account is probably the first option for many people, uh, but there are other options as well. So you want to keep that budget in order so that in case something happens, you aren't that you don't have to use that money right away. You've been putting some money away or you've saved up what they call an emergency fund to be prepared for that. Now, a lot of people um, uh, may not be in a position to save three to six months of their income immediately or right away. So you want to work up to that. And there's other strategies that we can talk about on how to pay down your debt and uh, other ways to look at your income to make sure that you're maximizing it from a tax perspective. Uh, but those couple of first things I said, having coverage, having insurance coverage, and then having your budget in order they're probably the first two things that come to mind.
1: Yeah. Insurance coverage and a budget are definitely very important. And something in my story that happened to me personally that I thought was pretty cool um, is that Utah State has a traumatic brain injury fund. And the traumatic brain injury fund comes, $1 comes from every car that's registered in the state of Utah goes to the fund. And so the fund can help you support um, beyond what your insurance covers. So insurance covered me to get three days of outpatient therapy. And with the TBI fund, I went five days of outpatient therapy.
0: That's great. Wow. So I didn't, so I know there's other states that do similar things. I didn't know Utah had that. That's awesome. So you really benefited from that. I mean, that's almost doubling your amount of therapy that you got. Yeah. Wow. And, and
1: they were even debating about whether it was like one day or three days that insurance was going to cover. So it was a lot more. And um, I like to bring that up because as a matter of fact, a lot of states do not have that coverage. And it's something politically that's a, it's a little bit different than just like your individual finances, but something that when you're making decisions, maybe pay attention to whether like... We we, we we tend to think about, like, who's going to be president as if that's – it is an important decision, but there's other important political decisions as well. So, like, if bills come up, maybe take an effort to look and see if it has to do with um, – something like I just explained and think of it in like person form instead of just like numbers. Cause I think one of the things with personal finances and also like political state finances that scares people is that it's just so many numbers and they don't feel attached to the consequences of the actions and the changes. They just are like, okay, someone else can handle my numbers. Um, but same with you. Like you can like another situation about for, like for your budget, as you mentioned, if if you don't have a large budget, um, maybe m- creating some like GoFundmes or things like that at the initial time of the trauma um, can help
0: as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's there's plenty of strategies and things that you can do to raise money or to get funds uh, when when the trauma happens because ultimately we don't we don't ever know exactly what the trauma uh, is is going to be or what type of injury you could potentially have. Um, I just encourage people to be as prepared as you possibly can so that, for example, when that time comes, uh, I mean, obviously, in in your situation, Jamie, you aren't capable of setting up a fund. I mean, you're operating on in a coma, whatever it is. There's there's no way that you could have prepared for that. So the more things that are ready to go, the more simple decisions that have already been made in case that happens, uh, the more time and energy can be spent towards something like a GoFundMe or trying to gather resources from somewhere else. Uh, I've seen multiple, multiple people go through traumatic things in life, whether it's a uh, death of children, uh, tragic, tr- tragic injury, divorce, loss of job, and the amount of time and energy it took them to make what would typically be rather simple decisions, but because of the traumatic time uh, that took a lot of their time and energy and they ended up making a uh, a poor decision in relation to something bigger, like, should I spend, you know, what should I specifically spend money on? Or uh, should I travel to go for care? Should I pay for a specialist? Anything, any number of things that were just really, really big financial decisions. And -hmm. unfortunately, they were just so drained from everything else that was going on that it was really hard for them to spend the time they needed to make a wise decision on the big thing.
1: Yeah, so you would suggest starting to make some of these decisions so like starting to build your budget when you're out of call co- right out of college like have your first job
0: yeah I, I would say well, well first of all so so my wife's a kindergarten teacher by the way and we talk about financial literacy and understanding personal finances I, I think it's severely undertaught in school so I think young people should already be learning about maybe not about traumatic brain injuries and uh, you know, healthcare coverage in detail per se, but they should understand a little bit more about how finances work and how interest rate works and money and those sort of things. I think we need to do a better job of teaching that in schools. And then once you do graduate and you're adulting, if you will, uh, that's become a popular term, hasn't it? My, my wife and I do mentor high school and college age students quite a bit. And yes, once they become adults and they're, they've graduated college and productive members of society and they're earn, earning an income, especially if you're earning an income. And you have benefits at work. Those are two key triggers to wanting to make sure that you have some, some minor, minor decisions made, right? I mean, I don't expect you to have your funeral planned out when you're 22 years old, right? But you should have an idea of like, okay, so let's say I did lose my job. You know, I can't predict a pandemic. I can't predict getting hurt. But let's say something does happen. I was no longer able to work anymore. What would my plan be? Would I have enough money to keep paying rent? Would I have to move back in with my family? Uh, you know, just understanding those things are just things you want to consider. And then as you grow older and you grow into a relationship, uh, then you can make some, you can have some more decisions set out. So for example, my wife and I, um, you know, we know what would have to happen if one of us no longer had an income or God forbid one of us passed away. Um, There's no way that I could ever get over that mentally and the emotional of thought of losing my spouse. And I hate to take this in such a negative light, but this is stuff you got to think about. I would never be able to, I'm not going to be able to prepare for that. But what I can prepare for is make a couple of decisions like, okay, what would I need to do? what I need to sell the house? what I need to pay off the mortgage? what I need to uh, hire a, a, a cleaning service? Cause I can't take that care of the house and work at the same time. Like there's just little things that you can have pre prepared just in case something crazy does happen.
1: Yeah. And I love what you were talking about, like children learning financial literacy. Um, A quick story of something was when I was a child, um, my mom had a consulting business and my dad worked on Wall Street and they had finances and I wanted a trampoline. And their response was, okay, get money, make, get, buy yourself a trampoline. So I had to like go to the neighbors and I had to bring in their mail and I had to water their lawns and I had to build this little like, um, it was like a lemonade stand to the maximum. So we also like did little crafts and gave out all these little, sold these little things. But anyways, I got so into it and I built the m- money. I worked with my neighborhood friends and we we got the trampoline but that whole concept I think a lot of parents sometimes think that if they can do things for their kids that they should just do everything which creates kind of a divide and a a lack of understanding of how to get what you want put in the work put in the finances because you're right so many of us just don't understand finances and sometimes it would be little steps like yeah maybe when you when you Uh, become adulting or graduate college and you don't have a lot of finances to your name, but maybe it's just like putting like a $100 a year into a a book, like a a, a savings account. It doesn't have to start out with a lot of money, but just that whole concept of like, even before you graduate and before you start adulting, maybe when you're a kid, it's putting your money aside to be able to get what you want, putting your money aside for if your life turns upside down, those concepts are things that we could really 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 use
0: totally and being prepared i and i give wow i give a lot of credit to your parents like i i must commend them for teaching you the lesson of entrepreneurship at a young age right like go earn some money to get your trampoline yeah we could probably just buy it for you but maybe we'll give you a little assistance but we need you to go out there and put some work in and i think that's so so important these days we we find that people people can figure out how to get quick hacks to things and YouTube, whatever it is that we want to figure out. You know, you can look up probably how to build a trampoline if you want to, but there's no substitute for the experience in business and just understanding our system, right? And remuneration for services and and products, right? Just just learning that lesson for young people uh, is so important. And now do I expect them to be, you know, experts in tax law at 12 years old? No, not at all. It's not about that. It's just understanding things. And that way, you're just more prepared. You get you get a feel for it, and you can be curious and ask the right questions. I mean, one of the most intimidating things I ever had to do was buy a car. And I, just, I remember going through that process being like, wow, this is like draining, mentally, mentally draining, going back and forth with the salespeople and all the ups and downs, and then a loan and trying to figure out financing and credit. It was just I was like, man, I wish I understood this stuff before I had to buy my first car in my mid, early mid twenties, whatever it was. Um, and I, and I, and I still had a pretty good foundation. I mean, my mom worked in a bank when when I was younger. I had uh, in my book, I wrote a story about this blue piggy bank that I had when I was younger, and at the time, I didn't realize I was learning to save. But then I realized uh, years later that wow, that piggy bank really taught me the lesson of compounding. Uh, just putting money in there every day. Did, was I earning interest inside of my piggy bank? No, but I was may being consistent with just putting a little, bu- little bit in the piggy bank every so often. And before you know it, when it was time to when when the thing was full, I was blown away how much money was in it. Now you know, at the time for me, twenty bucks was probably a lot of money, but the, the, just the thought of putting that money away. So yeah, we need to we need to train young people in that art for sure.
1: And so do you have any, um, I know we talked a little bit about um, the first two tips about health insurance coverage um, Mm -hmm. and how to create a budget because everything is not covered by health insurance. Um, Do you have any tips of some actions to take if you find yourself in that moment of craziness?
0: Sure. 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 So if you're if if it's not as, uh, a serious um, injury like yours and you're capable of making decisions and you're coherent, uh, yes, there's a couple of steps you can take. Uh, the, the first thing I would do is exhaust all of the things that you've already set up if you have set anything up. Right. So make sure that you're communicating with your health with your health insurance. If it's an injury, make sure you're communicating with your homeowner's insurance. If something broke in your house, uh, for example, a neighbor of mine had I think it was. Um, their air conditioning unit broke. And if it was just an older air conditioning unit and it broke and they had, and they needed $5,000 to replace it, that's not an insurance claim. But in their case, it was because they had some other malfunction in a pipe or something and that burst and ruined it, right? So you wanna be communicating with the other companies that maybe either are providing you coverage or if it's a something like that that's related to an appliance, then you can call the company and see if they have a rebate, a deal. Maybe you have a warranty that you don't know about uh, just be just ask questions there's no dumb questions the people when they answer those phone calls they can't always give you the answer right away uh, but they're definitely not going to tell you that it's a dumb question right so just ask your questions try to get as much support as you possibly can uh, and then you and then you know one thing that I've seen um, communities come through in amazing ways if people are just in such a horrible situation that they can't afford something financially um, go to your faith community go to your uh, people that, that you work with, go to places that people that care about you and your family, or uh, maybe ask a friend. There's nothing like a third party asking for money for someone else. I've seen that work really well too in a lot of cases, right? So instead of me going to peop- my neighbor and saying, hey, I can't afford my bills, uh, they're probably going to look at me funny. Uh, but if I had a friend of mine or someone else go to their local community, their group that they meet with, uh, their, um, some, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, you, they could say, "Hey, listen, you know, we're, we're, our group is looking to support someone. Well, my cousin or my friend or da da da, da had this terrible thing happen to them. Um, I know this happened to a friend of mine who had a huge flood in that apartment. Apartment above them, two or three units above them, had a pipe burst, and it and they were on the second. I think he was on the second floor, and it completely flooded out his apartment from above, and he couldn't afford it. The insurance, there was an insurance battle, but he his place was unlivable." So he could, he had nowhere to live. Now, eventually, if I got it right, the insurance of the building ended up covering and repairing him. But he was without a home for eighteen months and had wow. and couldn't afford it because he was still paying the mortgage because he owned the place, even though it was underwater. And then he had all this other stuff, so he had to go to another uh, to other people, and he ended up speaking with some friend of his who ended up uh, going to their group who likes to support people. And they ended up raising a few thousand dollars to help him pay some bills. So, um, you know, I truly believe and, you know, my career, my professional career uh, for the mo- for the better part of the last 13 or 14 years has been in the financial world. Uh, and I and I believe that's where my gifts and skills lie. But I truly, truly believe no matter where your gifts and skills lie, all humans innately want to help other people. I mean, it's just It's just in our DNA, Jamie. I've seen it over and over again, whether you're a millionaire or you're you're near the poverty line, whether you're highly educated or you're undereducated, whether you're old or young, it doesn't matter. People love helping people. So I think you would be surprised um, if something were to happen to you and it was a seriously unfortunate situation uh, that's unpredictable. You can ask people for support one way or another and people will be willing to do it. So I think that's great. Um, I, I want to reiterate what you talked about. The if it is a serious situation, um, there are other. You know, I, I looked it up. There, 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 are some other states that have similar bills that were passed that have a fund to support traumatic brain injuries. So, um, you know, I mean, you go go to go to the government. Maybe maybe they can help you too. Just there's, yeah. there's lots of options.
1: I love what you're saying about look for support because that's so key. And it's something that our nonprofit, Mo Crazy Strong educates family caregivers about for traumatic brain injury is Mm -hmm. because everybody thinks that they're just in like one little bubble because they don't really know anyone else who's had the same situation. So they just kind of clam up. But as you pointed out, and I definitely agree with this, people want to help. That's just our innate personality. That's what we want to do. We want to be of service to each other. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, when I was I was in the, in the hospital for months, and my mom was actually living in the hospital with me, and then, um, her ex husband, my dad, was living at her house up in Park City, which was twenty minutes away from the hospital in Salt Lake. Anyway, so twenty minutes away, and then she had a couple kids, um, full grown adults living in the house, but they were all just coming to spend time with me every day. That's where the focus Mm -hmm. was. And this happened, my accident was on April 11th. And so then I was in the hospital and May happened. And what happens in May, grass grows. And so when the grass was growing and the Homeowners Association wanted to fine my mom for not mowing the lawn enough. And our neighbor next door heard about it and was like, excuse me, wait, stop. I'm mowing the lawn. I'm going to be in charge of it. It's my responsibility. I'm taking care of it. Because she was wanting to help us but didn't know how to help us. So a lot of times, all you have to do is share what you need help with, you know, because a lot of times when you've encountered a trauma people around you will want to help you but they don't know how to help you. So if you just post, "Hey, I need this help or hey, I'm looking for this." People will tend to help other people.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally agree. I can I tell you a quick story then in my life about this? Yes. So, my father-in-law, may he rest in peace, so uh, he passed away a few years back and he was the he handled the finances in the family uh, completely and my wife's in my wife's family. And so I got two things to tell you. One is, um, in my experience working with families of all different walks of life, um, it's not necessarily that necessarily that both spouses or both partners or whoever's, you know, all the adults in the family, it's not necessarily that every single one of them um, pays the bills or does all this financial transactions, but it is necessary that each of them at least know how to access the accounts or how to get to places or at least know where money is going into and coming from, right? They don't actually have to execute the transactions, but I absolutely recommend that other people understand what's going on because when my, uh, when my father-in-law unexpectedly passed away, um, my mother-in-law is a very intelligent woman. It's not that she's not capable, but it, they had been married for 40, however many years and she had never logged into a bunch of the accounts and never done a lot of the uh, transactions. So she was like, she had no idea what to do. So she needed help doing that stuff. So my, me and my brother-in-law actually went in and, and helped her contact a lot of the, the bank accounts. And there were other people who, he he actually lives in China. I live in Florida. She's in Michigan. So she needed people, not, did she have people helping her do physical labor too, like mow the lawn? Um, it was the springtime as well. So <laughs> She did all all that stuff uh cleaning up the house all of those things but she also needed help just making phone calls to the financial institutions. Mm-hmm. And so you might say oh well this person could never help me they're you know incapable of mowing the lawn or maybe they maybe the assistance that you need isn't physical maybe it's you just need them to make a couple phone calls for you. So yeah mm-hmm. ask people and they are often willing to help.
1: Yeah. And and what you said about phone calls, maybe it's finding the government who can help you, you know, like the different states, or like there's brain injury alliances for multiple different states. So like the brain injury alliance of Utah, maybe contacting them and being able to get who 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 else to talk to. So there's just instead of feeling so alone when something happens, reach out to people who have some type of connection to either that or just want to be helpful people. Um, But if you just open yourself up to start receiving some support, it will make everything a lot smoother.
0: Yep. Great, great addition, Jamie. Really appreciate that. One other thing that um, I should point out too, is that if you're on the other side of this, it's really good to ask people specifically what they need uh, when they're in need for sure. I think sometimes it can be hard to articulate that. So if you're If you're a loved one or a friend of someone who needs something, um, it's, it's okay to ask, how are you doing? What can I help with? But if you're more specific, it seems to be more helpful. Like instead of, hey, do you need anything? It's, hey, would you like me to bring some food over tonight? Or, hey, do you want me to mow the lawn? Or, hey, do you need help with anything specific? Or do you need me to watch the kids? You know, like ask them specific questions seems to be helpful.
1: That that's a great point, and as um you pointed out uh, a a couple of times, in my accident I was in a coma. I was unable to do anything, which meant that my family um had to make all the financial decisions about me. And you also pointed out your friend um or your relative who the husband died, and the wife didn't know anything, and she needed to do things. So what you you shared is really just make sure that everyone around your circle has ideas of what your backup plan is, you know? So you said about like creating your budget creating your plan and then sharing it with your fiance or your husband, and then also sharing it with some of your extended family. Like that's one of the the reasons why you want to get more detailed when you're like writing Testaments and wills and stuff, Um, even though it it could be a scary subject to think about. um, If you just write everything out, then if something happens, everyone else can just deal with it a lot easier.
0: Exactly. Totally right with you.
1: So we're reaching the end of our time. It's been such a joy having you on here. I've been really enjoying some of this finance talk. It's fun. I don't really ever talk finance, but I always think finances are fun. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> I, I like investing and all sorts of things.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm glad you like it. I, I, it's, it's one of those careers that I, I actually have a master's degree in broadcast journalism. I was, you know, I thought I was going to be working in radio or television for my career, and I ended up getting recruited into the financial industry. And you know, we talked about some heavy stuff today, but you know, f- f- finances don't have to be boring. They can actually be enjoyable and fun. There's lots of tools out there. Um, I could, you know, give recommendations on all kinds of different things and different areas of finance. But I mean, ultimately, you just want to do some, do, do the not so fun stuff up front so that you can do the more enjoyable things. It really is fun when you, uh, you know, when you save money over time and you look back and you say, you know what? I did that. That feels really good. It was worth it putting some money away in the budget. Or and it's obviously fun when you get a chance to splurge a little bit and purchase something. So finances can absolutely be fun. Uh, and you know, you talk to my wife, there's a way to make them fun for kids too. So teach them while they're young and that way you can learn how to enjoy it and have a positive relationship with money. That's, that's so key. Relationships are so important in our life and our relationship with money is definitely statistics and data shows if you have a healthy relationship with money. And let me reiterate, that does not mean you have a lot of money because I know plenty of very, very wealthy people that have a horrible relationship with money. I'm talking about actually how it makes you feel. When you think about the budget, does it make you cringe? Or does it make you feel like, oh, okay, great. You know, that means I can go out to eat. You know what I mean? Like it's something that you should have a positive relationship with. And you absolutely can these days. There's plenty of tools to help you do it. And part of my mission um, outside of my you know professional career is to just hopefully help people have a more positive relationship with money.
1: Well, that sounds wonderful. And really quick before we sign off, what's one tip you would give the listeners on having a positive mindset with money. So like right now, tell me what should I do to feel good about money?
0: Okay. So this is something that I learned in my research. The number one thing that people stress about related to money is that they feel the need to purchase things that aren't necessary. So there's a false need to buy things. And research shows that the way that you solve this is to actually spend money Within reason, I'm not telling you to go spend all of your money on vacations, but identify one or two things that actually really mean something, You make you feel really good and make you feel comfortable, things that you really enjoy in life, whether it's it could be Starbucks, it could be some form of food, it could be entertainment, it could be taking your kids somewhere, whatever it is, identify something within reason and spend money on it. Here I am a financial person trying to help people save money for most of my career. And I'm telling you to actually spend it. And the reason why is if you spend money on the things that actually bring you joy and fulfillment, like not the stuff that the commercials tell you, not the stuff that your next door neighbor has, not the stuff that you heard some other crazy podcast that said you should be buying this product, no, the stuff that you have identified that you care about, it will actually bring you joy. And then you're not going to be tempted to buy all this other stuff because you're already happy. And that's my number one piece of advice. And if you need an example or a metaphor, it's just like eating. If there's some type of food that you really, really like and you eat it, you're probably going to be satisfied and not be tempted to go eat a bunch of other foods. The same concept. So to simplify my tip, spend money on the one or two things that you really care about so that you won't spend it on things that aren't necessary.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. I I really enjoyed our talk and talking about how the first two steps um, prior to when your life turns upside down, we all should be looking at our health insurance coverage and deciding what to do and then realizing to make a budget because everything is not included, all the medical expenses if your life turns upside down. So prepare. Prepare. Basically, start from a young age. Like, start with your financial literacy as a child. Like, when you when you start learning how to read, also start learning how to control your finances a little bit. You know, Um, yes. And then it can just grow. And don't be scared of finances, and don't feel stressed about them all the time. Do things that make you happy and relieve the stress, and then just feel that as you continue and. It'll be able to handle whatever comes your way.
0: You got it. That's the great way to wrap it up, Jamie. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for coming.